Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. 5 DB of New York City. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much, as always, for making your way here and checking out the series. Uh, please hit the subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Third Eye Blind's Stephen Jenkins. We're going to be talking about the band's new LP, A Band Apart, and its accompanying documentary, which gives a fly-on-the-wall look at the recording sessions. Uh, Stephen uh, discusses, uh, well, upsetting some fans with their progressive sound, scrapping an earlier album once the pandemic hit, and finding influence from The Cure and Bon Iver. Uh, Jenkins also talks about covering funeral singers after hearing Sylvan Esso's version, being inspired by the new L.A. singer-songwriter scene like Phoebe Bridgers, and naming Big Thief's Adrian Linker as his favorite artist at the moment. Lots to discuss, so let's jump in. A band apart, it's Kyle Meredith with Third Eye Blind. Um, nice to be here with you again, Kyle. You look very comfortable, sir. I am. I'm uh, I'm uh, laying on my bed, um, as you know, one does when one does interviews, uh, in... Uh, the Williamsburg Hotel in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. Nice, nice. I know you've been out there because, uh, well, one, there's a new album that you're premiering, A Band Apart, but also with the uh, the documentary screens that uh, went a part of that. I am really pleased to be sharing this documentary uh, about the making of our album, Our Band Apart, because it's. I think that it's just the most natural real sense of what it's actually like um recording an album with third eye blind if, so for for people who are interested what is that like um you really get the feeling of it from this documentary yeah i, I watched it last night and it was it's, it's, you did yeah it's great seeing the entire experience oh like, what did you think Oh, I love this. What I thought? <laughs> no, I seriously did. I I loved watching it. So let me back up though to first say how great the album is, and I mean this like, you know, I I've, I've been a fan for the whole ride or whatever. I, I always uh, enjoy hearing what you're doing. This sounds like a very classic 
I don't mean it sounds old. I mean, this sounds like it will be a classic Third Eye Blind album, like immediately. Okay, you're, okay, so you're the first critic um, I've talked to who's actually listened to the album <laughs> so far. So um, it's very nice to get the feedback. I got a really nice review. We've gotten really nice reviews in Pitchfork and Stereo Gum um, uh, and uh, my, uh, and Spin. I mean, it's all been, it's all been sort of great. And you're the first critic I've talked to who's listened to the whole album. So it makes me feel very good to hear that. Um, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It is. It's a, let me say this. I don't know how to say it without it sounding corny. You make it sound easy. Like these songs, they're so well put together. And, and then watching, you know, how the process is done once you're in the studio, I, mm. I, I'm sure it's not. I, I know, you know, toiling over songs can be a process, but yeah, but it does sound easy by the end of it. They sound sort of effortless in a way. You, you said a few things in the documentary um, about it, it's not extroverted. And you talked a, a little bit about simplifying. What, what did you mean, if I had that right? And maybe you were just talking about one song. I sort of took it as a grand phrase right there. No, it, that was kind of the overall gist of the record. So I think that was something I was saying when I had brought these songs down to Hollywood, because I live in San Francisco. So I drove down there and the rest of the band lives in, in Hollywood. And um, I was trying to give them a sense of where I was trying to go with the record. And once I say all that, we get started. And then, and then as my ideas matriculate through these other musicians that make up Third Eye Blind, it just takes on a life of its own. Um, so, um, but, but that idea of <clears throat> being, bringing your whole self to it without trying to, to put on a presentation, without being performative, without having those layers of, of defensiveness that kind of, you know, shield us um, in public space, all those things that we shed um, because we were, we didn't need them in the, in the lockdown. What I was trying to say was in the making of this record musically, let's keep that sensibility. Let's, and, and this is something I think that maybe you have this experience. I think, I think so many of us, particularly artists, um, in the pandemic, because we haven't been um, in public space, we just become kind of more matter of fact and a little more real and a, a little more, um, just less razzle dazzle. And that's something I want to hold on to. And I definitely wanted to capture musically. So that that's definitely, hopefully there's a sprinkling of that in there that you recognized. Oh, Absolutely. And maybe this kind of hits on what you're getting at too, because you also mentioned to a certain point that you were freed up from how, I think you said how you were supposed to sound or how you thought you were supposed to sound or how other people thought you were supposed to sound, mm -hmm. you know, as you went on that. So I'll, I'll turn around. First off, what was that? What was it you were, you know, what, what is that supposed to sound and what is the flip side? Oh, well, so, so we put out uh, the song to the sea and some of my fans were just furious. They're like, no, we want rocking guitars. What have you done? Where's the classic Third Eye Blind? And it's just, you know, um, some people will just want to keep you like, you know, they want you to be like the little mosquito in the, in the amber, you know, just like, just, you're just locked in time. And I want to stay permeable to all of the times that I'm in. Um, and that's why, you know, 
when the whole lockdown started, I had a whole other album um, that we were going to workshop on tour and then um, record after that tour a year ago last March, but everything fell away. And then that album just didn't feel authentic to me. Um, so um, in the course of the, of, of the pandemic, I wrote another album that was just, you know, just me energetically, emotionally wrangling with the times that I was in. Um, and in making that, in making our band apart, you, you talked about it being, um, you, you said it sounded effortless. I was just like, I don't wanna try to make the song into something. It will be what it is. It doesn't have a place. I don't care. I don't give a fuck about what radio format it goes to. I don't care about whether it will fit in a movie or you know, how it'll sound here or there. What I just want the song to be, to have integrity and be whole in, in itself. And that's it. That's my only criteria. So that is actually a quite liberating way to, to be. Yeah, that song specifically too that you started talking about there with To The Sea. When I first heard that, you and I had talked about um, Bon Iver uh, a long time ago in a different interview. Yeah. And that was my first thought is like, is this the Bon Iver influence co finally coming through that uh, you and I had previously hit on? For sure. It is because Ryan Olson, who is a friend of Justin Vernon's and has worked with him on lots of, of albums, um, actually came in and was um, a co-producer on that track. So you're hearing some of that Bon Iver um, five on there, like from, you know, the guys that like actually uh, make that shit. And I'm a, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of Justin's lands, landscapes. Um, Please Don't Live in Fear was one of my favorite songs of, of, of the lockdown. It's just always something that's bold, always something that feels fearless and like inspires me to go, um, you know, to, to go forth. That song actually, um, Colin Holbrook, um, he made the, the beat for that, and um, um, I was inspired by it, and I sang over it. So this is one of these songs that we, we wrote together, and we were actually in uh, Lucadia on the ocean. So um, I was holding a mic, and there was a lot of ocean sound coming into the microphone, and I said, I'm just going to sing the lyrics that I have here on this page, but I don't really know how they go because it's, it's just a journal entry that, I, mm -hmm. that I've written and I started to sing it to the sea. And I had no idea how it was going to go out. Put it on there. I fixed two words. I sent it to Ryan and I said, this is a, this is a rough vocal. I mean, I just sang it once. And he goes, yeah, it's not a rough vocal. That's the vocal. And I was like, no, I only sang it once. And he goes, well, we're not changing it. So the first time I ever opened my mouth on that is what you hear on the record. Replete with the ocean. So, but, but can I tell, can I share something else with you about this? Because you're saying that it sounds effortless. Um, we had Jeff Schroeder come in from Smashing Pumpkins. And um, this is because we were recording our band apart in um, so, uh, kind of near Silver Lake in Eagle Rock in LA at this really cool studio. And he lived nearby there and heard we were there and just said he wanted to come over and hang out. And it's an interesting thing because it's just like musicians just you know, had been locked away who like just wanted to go be with each other. Um, but he comes over and I go, look, if you're here, you know, you're in the band, so you got to play. So um, we were doing this song, um, Funeral Singers. And 
Um, so the idea when we record, and this is what you can see in, when you when you watch the documentary, is we all we all track it once, and people just don't do that on recordings anymore. So we played it. And we go. Mm, I think let's try it a little faster because we also didn't have click tracks or anything. Let's try it a little slower. Let's try it a half step up. Mm, let's try it two steps down. Kind of like going on and on like this. And, um, and they're like, I like the solo that you did on the last one, that one. Should we listen back to it? No, let's just go play it again. Anyway, so we would go in and out of the room each time because nobody, you don't get to fix your stuff. We just play it together. We played that song 23 times. And the 23rd take, and we're all in good spirits. We're all just still feeling it. We're all in the hunt. The 23rd take, we're like, I like this one. Let's go with this one. So and it was effortless, effortless 23rd, 23rd take. take. <laughs> yes. Glad we were there together. Funeral Singers was a nice surprise. Uh, it's it's the cover on here, and and it's an amazing song. Uh, I first heard it, of course, when Sylvanesso had had covered it, and um, and and I apologize, I don't even remember who did the original version, but but I'd love to know what spoke to you about that song because it is one of the best songs of probably the last decade. So I heard it from Sylvanesso, and it's what it's what actually turned me on to. Uh, to, to them and just come, got me into their whole groovy, dancey vibe. And um, I just felt like making an album that was kind of my, you know, the, the, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle said, uh, Stephen sings the, the pandemic blues, you know, it's like, I couldn't like, I couldn't have I couldn't feel like I did it without that song on there because I listened to her singing this. And to me, um, all my friends are words. Um, you know, all my friends are funeral singers. It's like, to me, you know, that we're lighthouse keepers. Like it's all, we're, we're all this kind of isolation and this, um, it, it, to me, it was singing. It was singing what, how the pandemic felt it put it into a structure to me. And I heard it in a, clearly in a very different way. Mine is like, like Sylvanesos is this flowing kind of almost sense of whimsy. Um, it's, it's, it's ethereal. And then, you know, my version is, um, I don't know, Judas Priest, right. I guess. It's, it's a lot of quite a bit more rocked up, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's kind of a romp and, um, that's just kind of the way I heard it, you know, all like, like all my friends, you know, and this kind of like, um, I just heard this kind of glorious rage in it, but it, they were definitely a, um, there's a plane landing in the river right there and it's freaking me out. Wow. Is there a plane? Okay. Uh, like yeah, but it's like a, um, it's like a, um, a prop. It's got a, you know, uh, pontoons. Right. Right. Um, so it looks like it, it, it's supposed to be landing there, but it's still a little bit trippy. Yeah. And again, it, it is, it's a fantastic version uh, of Funeral Singers. I never listened to this record oh, thinking that you had the pandemic blues. Uh, I knew the pandemic played a part of it. What I did hear sometimes was you trying to grab at something. And I always, I, I wasn't always sure exactly what you were trying to grab at. Um, looking at a few songs here, like uh, Silver Lake Neophyte. It's only when you talked about it in the documentary 
about the insecurities of being a musician or or goodbye to the days of ladies and gentlemen you know i like some of the fun of being a fan of you and and how you write is wondering are you taking the piss out of something or are you trying to grab at something you know to grasp i i guess i should say i don't know am i far off from maybe what was going on speaking of no those two songs it's just that no, not at all. You're 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 really you're really right on the money. It's just that the money is in both places. It's you can be trying to grasp, you can be trying to achieve, but you can also be taking the piss at the same time. And that is, you know, I was that's exactly what Silver Lake Neophyte is, because part of this album is me kind of falling in love with Los Angeles. Um, I, and I used to really not like LA and now I, I, I kind of love it. I mean, it, it's kind of like d dear to me. And I was really taken with the um, LA neo folk scene. Um, there's a kind of, but there's this kind of thing, um, you know, and it's inspiring. It's kind of a Gen Z kind of thing of, of being like radically transparent. Um, and there's something about that that's 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 very um, appealing. But there's also part of it that feels like uh, it's like um, exhibitionism um, to me. So so I I would hear these artists and just go, okay, so you're singing like that, and I'm really kind of feeling it. Um, but I'm also hearing the Elliott Smith chords, and I'm. I'm kind of blown away. Like I'm, I'm really, I'm really inspired. Like, you know, when I heard Adrian Lenker, I'm just like, if I, you know, I said this uh, in a, th in a, I, um, I did a playlist for AP and I said, I hate it when people ask you, who's your favorite artist right now? You know, I've never have an answer, but if I was forced, I would say Adrian Lenker because like the, the, the warmth and, and, um, um, honesty that she brings is really quite amazing. And we're talking about Big um, Thief, right? With, with Well, she's in Big Thief, but yeah, she just solo in Big Thief. Yeah. She has a she has a um an album um out called Songs and I just, you know, listen to listen to Two Reverse. It's just uh, to me it's just amazing. And before her album came out and before there was really any any hype, I heard um Garden Song by Phoebe Bridgers and um, you know, again, that kind of that landscape and that and that and that she has this this real discipline of being honest in every note um, really, really kind of impressed me. And I kept listening to more and more artists. And then I'm like, OK, I'm beginning to hear like this. I'm, I'm I was almost intimidated. I'm like, wow, do I have like, am I willing? You know, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at myself and I'm like, every songwriter feels this way. But at the same time, I'm also like, you know, is this kind of a pose? And as I was imagining myself being, um, you know, like back to being like, a, you know, a singer songwriter and open mic night. And, um, and I was like, well, if you're being honest, that's actually what you're, that's what you're thinking about right now. So sing that. And I'm sitting there and I just kind of, just went through these went through these issues of how we are always there's no such thing as discovering yourself you invent yourself we are inventions and we are these 
we are always these kinds of concoctions. And um, I think we have to make a little more space um, for that, um, this, this journey of invention that we're all on, even if we have to take the piss out of each other a little bit. I, I agree with you too. Hearing those artists the first time, Adrian, Phoebe, uh, any of the, the the new crew, you know, that's been sort of hitting the, these styles. There is that moment where, to me, it is new. To most people, it's new. But because I guess I'm older than them, you know, it's that second, like, what is this and how do I listen to this? Uh, I started thinking about, like, when Laura Nero would have come on the scene, you know, in the yeah. early 70s. And it probably felt a lot like that, you know, to a... Yeah. Very much so, yeah. I guess it's like you know, the more things change, the more they stay. I don't, I don't exactly know what I'm getting at there, but uh, but I do understand no, what you're it, getting at. But but I do feel like I do felt a real fresh energy that inspired me, and um, you know, I I I live for that moment in music where I'm getting freaked, and I definitely felt that in this scene. So, Silver Lake Neophyte is kind of um, it's just kind of a ode to not only just like the songwriter's dilemma, but also to like how, how we're, we're, we're trying that, that the process that we're all in of, of coming into the fullness of self. And, um, you know, even though that's, there's probably a lot of posing that goes on in that, um, in that, in that thing, you know, so. I do appreciate though. There are a few really comfortable spots. I say comfortable spots, like, um, for all of the new things that you're also doing in here, you, you do give a, a, a few nods to the past, I, as I hear it anyway, at the beginning of Dust Storm, my first thought was, is that the cure? Are they doing the cure on purpose right now? It's the yes. baseline, it's the it's all there. It's like, tell me that's on purpose. It's just, it's just rip. I mean, well, let's put it this way. You know, um, my guitar tech, Danny, who's kind of like, he's like this, he's like this, I don't know what he is in our band, but he's very important. He's always around. Um, he goes, he goes, it's the best Cure song ever written. <laughs> and it's like, um, that song came together because Chris, my guitar player, um, was just fucking around while we were, um, um, working songs out in West Hollywood. And he had this Nashville tuning on a guitar and he went, dun, 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 dun. I go, what's that? And he had already forgot it. You know, it's, it's, it's the, he has the, just he's like a hummingbird and uh i'm like that that what did you just play play that again and i had to like and i i actually have that on um uh on, on my phone recorder i was like play it again and um he did and um i just started to sing along to it and um that's how that song came together um but you know the cure influence was there and we're like we'll just let it be influenced by the cure. Let's, you know, have at it. It's, it, it was never like, we never went, we're going to go, you know, do our take on in between days or anything like that. It's, it, it came from a real, um, a real place. And I, and I do believe in the Buddhistic sense of like, um, you know, your, your initial intention is, the most important indicator on the on the outcome of something, so so it had its own little big bang, a moment of inspiration, 
And that inspiration um, was then, um, you know, guided by our forefathers in, in, you know, by Robert Smith. So I love that. I love the way, yeah. yeah, that you put that. I'll wrap up by asking the least important question and maybe the most important question if you've seen the documentary. Who got the $5 at the end of this all? Should I tell you? Okay. Well, we have to set it up. So um, I was walking up the street and I found $5 and I just, I just thought it was like, I was like, well, this just means everything. It's just going to be great. And I'm like, this is very important $5. So when I went into the studio, I said, uh, this is a lucky $5 and it's going to go to the most exemplary musician at the end of this. It's, we took 10 days to record the record. And uh, I said, at the end of this, it's going to go to whoever's you know the best. And um, it went to our bass player, Cav. Yes. It's most exemplary. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Yeah. good on he's him so good on him he's yeah. got another five dollars yeah. to his name so and somehow i just love seeing him like you know i love i love seeing him play um because he he does so much for our band and when you watch when you watch him play in the documentary you can just see how like deeply connected and like how 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 much like joy he's getting like he's just kind of beaming with joy in the in this like in this connection to the track and it i think it shows up on the album yeah because of him Wonder totally what, worth five dollars what did he do buy a burrito with that hanging on the wall what do you what do you do with I that i just cut? don't know what he, i don't i just don't know he likes coffee and that you know so um that'll get you the coffee um if you're willing to stiff somebody on the tip um you know in uh in the greater Silver Lake area. Well, um, Stephen, uh, it is, it's such a great record to band apart. Um, what you all are doing, what you're doing, uh, you know, not every artist can pull it off, you know, this far into the game. So dude, congratulations on this. I really do love this album. Uh, just that, just, uh, thank you. It really warms my heart to hear that. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast Stardom is within your reach. I'm also going to include a, a couple older interviews I've done with Stephen. Uh, this first one takes us back to 2018 when uh, they were touring the uh, covers record, Thanks for Everything. We talked about recording the song's joke in Blood Bank, a Bon Iver song, as we discussed Bon Iver in this previous interview. So let's do this part two of Kyle Meredith with Third Eye Blind. Hey, Kyle. Happy to talk to you. This this new EP, thanks for everything. The math is right, right? You're living in the land of the EPs. Isn't this the third one in three years? Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, there were a lot of, in the sort of classic 70s, seven songs made, a, made an LP. So call it what you will. <laughs> I mean, just our um, records tend to be much longer, and I'm comfortable with them being shorter now. Yeah. You know, seven songs is, in this day and age is still a long listen. With it being a covers record, though, you know, it's called Thanks for Everything. 
as the thank you, you know, a lot says it in the title right there. Was there any game plan? Yeah. Do you, how far do you push a cover to somewhere else, or do you try to stay true to it? Was there any of that talk going into it? There's no um, cookie cutter for it. So, like, a track like In the Fade is pretty much unrecognizable from the Queens of Stone Age version. And what it yields, a good song sort of yields an emotional condition. So, you know, In the Fade from, from Queens of the Stone Age um, is a different thing, you know, than, you know, Love Me Harder with, by Ariana Grande. Like, there's just, they, they yield this different state. And it's interesting that you can get different kinds of, you can kind of evoke something different from the same song. But that wasn't like the high-minded thinking that brought that song together. It was just like, we had a day off. We were um, recording in a friend's house. We set up in his um, in his house. It was a Spanish house. And this sort of main room was very bright. And um, I was like, this sounds like the power station. It sounds like Tony Thompson or something. And so we, we were sort of jamming in that kind of like, like almost 80s power station funk vibe. And we just let that lead us into the way that we um, rendered that song. So there's really no, it's really quite thoughtless. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love how how it came out. You know, for several of these songs, like I wasn't as familiar with Chastity Belt's joke beforehand. And I, and I love your ver like I love your version. Your song it, it stood out to me. I, I went and listened. Of course, I chased down the original after that, as I did for all these. You know, some of these I knew, but I still went back and checked them out. Like I hadn't listened to them in a long time. But I will say, especially that one. Like that's a hell of a rendition right there. Oh, thanks. But there's just I'm not even close to Julia's um, vocal. Like she, I said she's like the Nico of the Northwest. Those guys are deep, deep, deep into Seattle. And there's so many things I love about Chastity Belt. We saw them in Berlin. We were both playing Berlin at the time. And um, they make so much space for each other when they play. It's just like kind of crazy how they how they do that. There's, there's two guitar players, and they're both playing their own kind of kind of lead liney things, their own little their bit. But they're always trying to make room for the other. And and I, I love that kind of like gracious way of playing. And we don't have that at all. That's why I was standing there. I was like, I don't know, somebody in my band turns to me and goes, we will never be able to play like this. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that's... And Julia's voice, it's just like, I, I mean, she sounds like Nico to me, but without, like, Nico without the pretense. I, I did read that that was sort of some of the kind of reason for doing this record is, is uh, I guess, you know, for inspiration going into the next record. I mean, do you take those things right there and do you try to apply that to what you're writing? I definitely think it's a palate cleanser, and this is, you know, Brad, our drummer, was talking about those. It was like, we're like, we have this studio time, but we're not ready to actually track. And I'm like, well, let's, you know, we have this day off in Dusseldorf, Germany. Let's let's get in a studio, and I mean, that's where we we, we recorded Blood Bank there. It was great. It was cloudy, and it's kind of perfect because his music's very cloudy. And uh, you know, Brad was saying like, it's it's. It's really good to get into different rhythms, a different harmonic, a different different intervals in the vocal, like, and it's kind of like a palate cleanser. Does it influence? I don't know. I don't know. It definitely felt better for how we're going to go about doing what we do next, but I'm not sure how much of it, it's influencing it. Well, the interesting thing about these song choices, none of them are, and I'll put in quotes, hits, you know, if you will. And I thought that really does make it a standalone record. You, you know, it's sort of in the way you were talking, you know, about the seven tracks as well, but it, it sort of makes it its own thing, whereas if this were 
any kind of a hits package or even had some really big radio songs on there, it feels like it would throw it off where that would have automatically become the center of attention. And, and maybe you answered it earlier where you yeah. said there wasn't a lot of thought that went into it, but I, did you did you sort of, did you try to stay away from really popular songs by any kind of purpose? I did. I didn't want to do songs that people already had their, most people already had their own. I wanted to be, to be able to, to listen to this record and for it to be new to you, you know, basically fresh to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't see the point in, in, you know, redoing somebody else's huge hit song. Not that I wouldn't, you know, at some point, but... Um, I don't know. It just, sometimes that feels a little bit, for me, it feels a little bit, turns into to kind of like a commercial venture. And clearly this is not a commercial venture since we're giving all the money away. <laughs> Which is very admirable. Um, you, you, should, you should go ahead and plug that, or plug that, uh, you know, talk about that as well. Uh, wh- where's the money going on this? Um, this is supporting the Warhol Museum um, in Pittsburgh. Everybody in the band, we like to go out to uh, galleries and uh, museums along tour and some places for example um, the Warhol has an outreach program and when we were there there were all these little kids rolling in and um, you could just see that they were getting ignited by um, what was going on and, and there's something flippant and accessible about Warhol where he's just like you know very proto-punk and like, and like I'm just going to take this thing and just stamp it and that you could see that those kids just lifting up from it, and so we were like, we should just, we should just donate this because you know we didn't write these songs, so this is kind of like <laughs> this is all kind of a gift. Let's just keep it, keep that gift rolling forward. We took this, the uh, by the way, like the, the studio costs off, so um, just want to be keep it real. Like we did do that. The other thing I want to ask about, sort of about the, I, I, I'm going to say thread, is that a lot of these songs are sort of more recent in a way, uh, not including the Tim Buckley, right? I mean, everything else is sort of, isn't it like Baby Shambles On? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a very nostalgic person, you know? I just, I mean, I love Parallel Lines. It's a great record, but I don't I don't want to do the covers on it. And uh, Edith Piaf's great, too, but I, I, I don't know. It's possible we could have done some old song like that, but it's just not what came up. It's interesting because you you know you look at what some folks and and I'm not talking about your active fan base because I don't think that they're surprised in your taste of music at all. If you follow you, uh, you've been covering Blood Bank for you know a while now. That's you know so that part's pretty obvious. But for the folks who don't follow, I think that's you know that's that's what I read that they find some surprise in this. Like there seems to be a battle between what some folks think Third Eye Blind are versus, you know, what you're showing yourself in the artists you're covering. I don't even know if you give a damn about that, but I sort of saw that perception out there as yeah, I, I don't, read about I it. I don't give a, give a hoot what they, they think. They're just so, yeah, they have no idea what we're doing. They're just lazy. It's fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's it doesn't matter. Um, we just, um, we've always lived in this space, and uh, so there's no... Moving into some different thing. Are the uh, the studio songs that you had talked about for the original Summer Gods EP are those still active? Are they abandoned? No, there's. I have 27 song starts, and we're going to go work on one of them today. And you know, I wrote some stuff over. We took a month off. We took August off, um, and I took a guitar, and wrote some stuff. And, you know, messed around with with those demos in the studio yesterday. So no, we're 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 sort of building all these things now. Nothing's abandoned. It's just on some of 
some kind of, you know, our typical timeline. We set dates, and then we blow those dates, and then we make <laughs> new dates, and then blow those. And in, in, uh, last time we talked, you had also been doing that anniversary of the uh, the debut record, and, and you said, there's no way we should count right. on you doing the same thing for Blue next year. Is that still no. is that still off the table? Like no big celebration for that record? Super not going to do a blue tour. Yeah, promise. <laughs> yeah, or maybe no, on like that. If we're playing a show on that day, we might play. I don't know, Red Summer Sun or something. Right. Like there could be something that gets played from that record. But uh, no, no, we're fully like what I want to do is just completely blow every idea to smithereens, and then from the stardust of that explosion make a whole new sound that's what i want to do and i don't really have yeah any interest in doing anything else yeah i just don't want to have any third eye, like you know like like the third eye blind sound is what provokes us that's it that's the definition there's no other set of ingredients and the last of the rock bands i think you know there just aren't very many people who are like not only can play but like have developed that empathy with each other as musicians so that like you know we can go in as a unit and just thump like there's a few but there just aren't very many and it's a great thing to have when we play live because we stretch tempos we can go uh, there's a feeling that you get when 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 a band like ours plays live which is like we're not playing along to somebody's click track um or to somebody's macbook pro so there's a sense of spontaneity of possibility that happens and that is that you can see that lift people up. So it's a thing I really value, but it, I'm not I'm not rooted to it in the studio. Like we can, if we, some songs we're going to play, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, and and play them live in the studio. There's a song called "The Kids Are Coming um, to Take You Down," and it's um, you know that's a song that will just be you know played live, looking at each other in a room. And then there's other songs that we'll we'll use totally different methods of getting to that emotional condition that is, is the point of the song. Um, so I'm just saying that, like, I really don't like being held down to any expectations. Well, that's what keeps it exciting for us. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to hear what the new material sounds like. You know, you've you've talked about it. You've baited me. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to hear it. I think it's going to be a much more immediate record. A lot of our records take, you need to kind of, like, live with them for a while. This one ought to be able to just, will just like make itself at home very quickly. That's kind of the thing that I was thinking of. And like we played so many festivals. I always have sort of a, a, a mind, I, I would see kind of like the visual of it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it being played and heard. And a lot of that is about like, it's, it's kind of meant to be absorbed in groups. Like I remember the first time I saw, uh, what's it? Get high that, fly that paper, get high that planes. Uh, the MIA? Called, yeah, MIA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The first time I ever heard that song, she was playing a festival. And the very first time I heard it, I went, oh, yep, this owns me. Whatever this is, like, I'm just I'm just in. I'm all the way in this landscape. So I kind of look for that feeling as I'm playing. I, I would say that's, that's my only kind of... Also, it's like, I'm just dying to be freaked. Anytime there's like a chord or a, uh, you know, like a chord change or, or something that just feels kind of tried and true i'm just like get rid of it like any phrasing i i just want it to be like i want to be able to be blasting this in london and for it to feel right it's got to stay strange for me 
Well, knowing full and well that you might blow the date out of the water, is there a, is there at least a, a hope of when we might hear some finished stuff? Yeah, spring for sure. That's where we. I mean, that's what I'm working on. You know, we're we're working on it now. But um, just things get in the way, and we've got some festivals and a few like that. Um, but we're you know we're on the job for for spring. My hope. That's yeah, great. but I was just thinking. It was like it was like keeping it strange is like like. That's like one of my kind of criteria, but I was, but I, as I was saying that, the thing that occurred to me is like, what's fucking stranger than like a rock band? There's like four of us left, you know. <laughs> so uh, that could be something weird. Like one of the weirdest things you could possibly do is have no click track and count it off. People are like, what the fuck is this? Oh, cool, man. Well, Stephen, thanks so much for uh, for chatting today. I-, I should say thanks for everything. That's that's how I should wrap this up, right? I should say thanks for everything. <laughs> Okay, babe. It was a pleasure to talk to you again. Uh, hopefully we can do this in the spring with uh, with new music. Yep, talk to you again. Now we'll jump back uh, even a few more years to uh, 2017 right here. Uh, Steven and I got to talk about the 20th anniversary edition of their self-titled debut album, as well as the uh, current state of political affairs at that time, and leftover B-sides and demos. This is part three of Kyle Meredith with Third Eye Blind. Hi, Kyle. Let's make some radio. <laughs> Let's do some radio. I know there's a lot going on, but I think specifically what we're talking about right now is uh, you're taking the moment to look back and celebrate the 20th anniversary of that humongous debut that you guys had. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess you probably have never been able to escape these songs, but do you get a sense of, of I don't know, the look back, the nostalgia, the, the peak into whatever mindset you were in two decades ago? Not really. Um, and Nor do I feel nostalgic. We actually just did this Shaky Knees Festival in Atlanta, and we're playing a, a gig in North Carolina at the end of the week, so we decided to stay in Atlanta. And I'm actually spending all week um, really just trying to write this new album so that we can get it out in time for the summer. So I'm completely enraptured and, and involved in the present tense. So it's really, it's really only in that mindset that I look at this first record and say, you know, it's still in rotation, and that's noteworthy. That's that's about as nostalgic as I am. I mean, it was it was such a huge record, though. Like I listen to it, you know, every every few years now and again, whenever it comes up and everything. But I don't think I'd realized like almost half that record were singles. Well, yeah, radio wanted to make more singles, but um, our radio station thought I, our our record company thought, oh, you know, maybe that's too much, which I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as I look back on that, though, up. I mean, you guys tackled so many big issues, and, and you've done it since, too, you know, over and over and over. But I, I look at that one, and, you know, hard drugs, suicide, just to name two. It was kind of curious. Did you ever feel like you weren't taken as seriously? Don't forget rape. Don't leave well, out rape. It's, it's all there. And bullying. That's what I'm saying. Like, the mm-hmm. content was so heavy. Did you, did you feel like people sort of passed o- that over as part of the band? Because, you know, otherwise, they no, were really catchy they, songs no, as well. No, radio did. No, radio did, because radio likes catchy tunes, which is great, because I like catchy tunes, too. But Third Eye Blind, the, the reason why it continues to resonate is, I think, is because there's a whole, there's, a, there's just sort of an evolving, not, there, there's new generations of people, of kids, who, who get the, the sort of emotional dent that music, that Third Eye Blind's music speaks to. So I don't think that you have to engage the specific subject matter of the lyric to have it speak to you. And like I said, I mean, you continue that throughout your career, and you still do it. I mean, last year's EP with Cop versus Phone Girl. Yeah. 
I, I guess I get the sense you've never been really much for just the uh, the boy meets girl style of song. Well, no, because I think you know, I think that like the you know the sort of the the impact of relationships. That's the thing that like leaves it. I I basically rate I write things based on like emotional impact mm-hmm. and things that leave a dent on me and. A lot of times that's relationships, and a lot of times that's like, you know, I'm exploring my heterosexual viewpoint of trying to understand relationships from that perspective, mostly. That's kind of like the viewpoint that, I mean, that's that's outlook that I'm looking at, and I've achieved no understanding whatsoever, so I keep looking. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I think, uh, I think that, uh, that the impacts of relationships are still there. You, you'll have to clarify this because as I look at, you know, what you've been writing lately, especially with that last EP, and what happened with, you know, the critical readdress of the band after the RNC thing, which was amazing, and I loved reading Thank all you. about that. I took it easy on him. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's that seems like that's sort of where your head's at right now. You know, you, after all these things you've tackled in the past, is it more of a political thing? Because obviously that's what's on a lot of our minds. I'm reading the news right up until you called me today. So it's <laughs> right. I mean, you can't stop. You're like, I know that your thumb is all messed up from tapping around on Twitter right now. <laughs> it's just how it is. That's well, that's we're on pins and needles right now because it's the strangest thing. It's like you know, it looks like we have a Russian operative in the White House, like. That seems to be pretty clear, and your senator, Mitch McConnell, is okay with it. He's really, like, he's really like complicit in treason, and he seems to be all right with it. He's a really terrible, terrible person, and you guys got to get together and, and get Mitch McConnell out of the Senate. He's a self-serving, absolutely hypocritical, uh, complicit in treason uh, individual who has no care about the norms of uh, American political system. Let's just call it as we see it. He is bad news. Yeah, we've been, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, luckily Louisville is, you know, the, the blue spot, uh, unfortunately, in the red state. <laughs> so, you know, he I know you guys are like, you guys are the Austin of Kentucky. We really are. And we've, we've thought You're that many times. You're the of Kentucky. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's, it's and something we've been always, trying. you will always, always, always have Muhammad Ali. So it's like, you, you just win every time. There's like, <laughs> there's no way you can't win. Yeah, we got John Yarmouth in yeah. the house, so it's it's you know at least going a little bit in that direction. But uh, that's a big plus. And I'm in Atlanta right now, and like um, trying to volunteer for John Ossoff, who's running for uh, the the Georgia Sixth. Yeah. So um, that's what I love it doesn't really matter. You know, I have a lot of Republican friends. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or a Democrat. This isn't this isn't about any of those issues at all. Like I don't I don't really care about the partisan stuff very much. What I'm talking about is like the basic unraveling of the United States is happening right now. We're slipping into authoritarianism. And if people don't know what that means, you should really look it up because it's, it's, it's going on, you know, it's, it's kind of incredible. And that's why like, you know, people who are woke to this are like constantly, constantly absorbed in it. So I hope you don't mind me turn, uh, pulling this back around as we're here to the music. Sure. Um, is this what I should expect from this uh, album that you're working on? No, no, no. Um, you know, when we play, like we just played at um, Shaky Knees, um, when I play live, it's really about a collective experience, and it's about people coming together around that gathering point of music. So that's really what I care about there. It's about creating fellowship. 
And that's a completely, that's a non-political moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's an emotionally connected moment. But if you put a microphone in front of my face, as you're doing right now, and ask me what I think, then I'll say what I think. Yeah. But when we play live, it's really like about how, how we feel, and it's about creating feeling. And sometimes those feelings are, are really fierce, but, that's, but it's, it's about the emotional landscape that we're really talking about. Even when, they, even when they're sort of outwardly, you know, the, even when it's things that are sort of out in social space and not, not internal uh, emotional uh, issues, it's still about the emotional response to them. And, you know, I think when I make records, it's not an intellectual process at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're totally two different processes. So I just kind of open a vein and let it bleed and let the um, and just try to be an honest conduit to that that sort of feeling and that uh, that that's kind of coming down and so it's actually not political. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. I didn't know about the new record on the uh, uh, in the works anyway, so that's really exciting as well. Um, you know, sticking out yeah, especially it's in the so works quick and, after uh, the last we have one. to make quick. it because we start our tour June 9th and then that's so you know I gotta gotta hurry up. <laughs> um, this is also this is like you know we're talking about this like like you know to have a record that that has stayed current in a way for twenty years mm-hmm. is quite a thing. You know I'm I'm not I'm not blasé to that, and that's why we're gonna we've never done this before. We've never played a, a record in its entirety. Mm-hmm. We played We Are Drugs when we put it out in a club in London. Once I guess we did that. We played the whole EP, but this summer we're going to play that whole album, and we'll probably never do it again. We're not going to do it in the fall. We're not playing Louisville proper, so you have to drive to uh, Indiana if you want to come to the show. But yeah. I love it when people like I love it when people road trip to uh, road trip to Third Eye Blind shows. I yeah. think it's just the greatest thing. I, I so was I at guess? the Bonnaroo show, so you know I've seen you. Oh, somewhat recently. I know it's been, it's oh, been yeah. a couple Wasn't years. Was that right? a trip? That was, that was crazy. I spent at yeah, least the that. first five minutes trying to figure out your outfit, but it was a cool outfit. <laughs> oh, it's a, it, yeah, it's a, this Rick Owens thing, and yeah. uh, he actually noticed me wearing it. He's like, wow, you had the sand to wear that outfit? <laughs> it's just clothes, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, I will ask one uh, more about this one then. You're talking about playing it uh, front to back. Are you also doing the, uh, I don't know, unreleased songs, B-sides, and all that in the set, or is it just the album? Yeah, we, we're... we're we're trying to figure that out. Um, so I think, you know, there was a song called All Right, Caroline that almost made the first record, but all the sort of what fits and what doesn't fit, it didn't go on the record. And that's on this uh, sort of these extended B-sides that are going out with the 20th anniversary of our first record. And we might play that one live. Yeah. It's so a great song. We, we might play some other obscure songs. Thanks. Well, we, you know, it's funny. It's like I, I never finished the second verse was the big problem. And if I can't finish a, a lyric, I can't. I just can't do the song. So it just kind of it just stalled. And then, like you know, all these years later, we're in. Um, we went into this recording studio in Brooklyn. This just little kind of super vibey, dumpy spot. And we tracked that song really, and, it, and we tracked it really fast and rough. And at that point, I was like, I've got to finish these lyrics. So I actually did. Yeah. And uh, so there you have it. All right, Caroline. No, I, all week. I mean, since it's gone up online and everything, I've uh, I've had it on, so I, I really do enjoy it. And uh, and if there's more that's going to be on it, I can't wait to hear that as well. I don't know if there's any more like that, or if it's just the other stuff has been out there. But nope, there's a couple more tracks coming out. Awesome. 
Well, is this something you want to do also with like blue and and you know what two years away from that one I guess. No, no, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> no, this is it. This is it. We're gonna go out and play. We're gonna play that first record. We're gonna play a bunch of songs. It's gonna be you know yeah. a whole night of music. But we are at some point gonna play that whole first record start to back. And no, I'm not gonna do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Just this summer. Right. Well, cool. Well, Stephen, it was really uh, great talking to you, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make the trek up to Indiana, uh, Indianapolis for you guys. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Thanks for having me on your show. All right. Take care, man. Bye. And again, my thanks, Stephen Jenkins. The new record is called A Band Apart. And thanks to you, again, for checking out this episode. Hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. You made it this far. Why not? Again, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video version, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with for three interviews every single week. And then after that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. That's an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all three of them at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. That's much quieter, isn't it? It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.